I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. We're talking about rap music on trial, lyrics, and the law. Increasingly, we're seeing cases where famous rappers and not so famous rappers, a lot of them aspiring as well, hip hop artists, they are being arrested and they are being charged with very serious crimes. And in some cases, not so serious crimes, but their lyrics are being used as evidence in these criminal cases. Now there's a new law that is making its way through the legislature here in New York state that will try to limit some of the amount of lyrics that can be used in these cases. We're going to break this all down for you because basically this comes out to the artist's right to free speech. Is this an attack on black artists in particular? And what about the law? What about if there really is a criminal violation, somebody's life taken or property taken or something of that nature? We're going to break this all down. We've got an amazing panel to do just that. Joining me is New York State Senator Jamal Bailey. He is one of the authors of the law here in New York State. He represents the 36th Senate District. That's the North Bronx and Mount Vernon in New York. And Senator Bailey, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a managing partner of Tucker Law Group. He's also a criminal defense and civil rights attorney and a former prosecutor. He's represented artists and also dealt with a lot of these cases around these speech issues as well. Charles, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure to be here, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is Chuck Creekmore. He's the CEO of allhiphop.com and also a hip hop commentator. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Chuck, how serious an issue is this? Because you've covered on allhiphop.com many stories, especially over the last five to six years, where artists have gotten caught up with the law and then the lyrics become an issue. How big an issue is this? I think it's a huge issue. I also think it's a nuanced issue too. So when hip hop started in its infancy, um, as people like Grandmaster Melly Mel started to tell what was going on, a lot of that was regarded as reporting or street reporting or telling what's going on on the front lines. And as, as it continued on, it became more and more uh, sensational. So for example, NWA, um, they were talking more in the first person. Uh, they were calling themselves a gang and they were representing themselves much differently. And so now in the present day, uh, we have a total collision of uh, the art and what's going on in the streets. And I think each case is different. Um, there are some cases where a rapper literally gives very specific uh, details uh, on, on crimes and things that they uh, purport to do. Whether or not they do that is another story. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, recently, one artist uh, rapped about robbing ATMs. Well, he was uh, arrested for doing just that. Uh, did he actually do that? I don't know. But the lyrics certainly don't help out his situation. So right now, and there's so many more examples, um, um, obviously with Young Thug and, and uh, his crew, there's a, a situation there where it gets much blurrier. And right, so and we're gonna, let's, we're gonna get into that um, in, the, in this episode. Senator Bailey, what was your motivation in terms of the law? Because we saw some high profile artists getting involved in it like Fat Joe, Jay-Z, um, Meek Mill. There were, there were many that really supported this, but what made you want to, to take this on? 
protecting artistic expression. I, I sit at the intersection of being an attorney, a uh, legislator, and a hip hop fan. Oh, and, and you can do all of it at the same time, right? And so as I sit at this intersection, I, I, I think about some of the sensationalistic art, you know, lyrics that I've heard at, at Chuck mentioned, right? And, and how hip hop has gone from storytelling to braggadocio, back to storytelling, back to braggadocio. And there's no specific bright line that you can say that an artist is doing such, right? So we have to be able to allow artists who have what's called creative expression to be able to, to, to protect black art, as folks are saying, right? What we're not saying is that if an individual confesses to a crime in a song that that some way can't be prosecuted. This is not what this law does. This requires prosecutors to provide clear and convincing evidence that there is a specific nexus between the lyrics that are mentioned and the specific act that is alleged, right? So, you know, none of us really believe, you know, no disrespect to Rick Ross and his storytelling that he acted, that, that Pablo Noriega actually owes him a hundred favors. That's clearly braggadocio, right? That's not something that we should be able to bring in a court of law. However, right, if there is something that is more specific that is that that is more in line with keeping our streets safe and, 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 and a prosecutor can bring that in. We're not saying that you shouldn't be able to bring that in. We're just saying that it has to you have to clear a higher bar than what you're doing right now, because what's happening right now, you're bringing lyrics in about something that somebody maybe sort of kind of maybe did. And you're and you're charging them with a significant criminal offense for that. And that's just not fair. Now, and it's also. And one other thing I wanted to touch on is that, you know, those of us who are hip hop fans, we know about ghostwriters. How do we know about the, 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 the present state of mind of an individual who actually wrote the lyrics? What was their mind state when they wrote the lyrics? So we get into a contextual question in which I just simply believe that you need to have a, a, a higher bar to be able to bring these um, lyrics against someone. And let, and let me get Charles Tucker. What is your take on this? How, how necessary was something like this? Uh, Senator Bailey points out when he starts mentioning clear and convincing evidence, I mean, that creates, a, a, I believe, in some regards, possible insurmountable uh, hurdles for prosecutors uh, kind of trying already dealt with, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt standard, but now to create an even heightened standard uh, you know, that could easily present some hurdles. But to his point, you know, I've never heard and, you know, I try to diversify you know my musical selection but i've never heard of anybody talking about other genres of music where the expression is just as explicit if not more you know but you only kind of hear it in the rap sense you know the rappers are the ones inciting violence in in, in our communities and in our culture really and, and you know we know that's not the case those of us who are you know you know fluid in music and what the expression is you know, should it be curtailed that in such a way? You know, and, you know, part of my, me would say as a criminal defense attorney, I don't want that used against my client unless they can really prove the nexus and the connection. Um, let them actually prove the elements of the, of, of the charges, but not try to kind of manufacture something, so to speak. And that's what it seems. To, to paint, to paint a picture, when we come back, I'm gonna find out what our guests have to say about this connection between lyrics and the law and also all of these conspiracy cases that we're seeing where it's a much different scenario of what has to be proven. We're gonna find out what they have to say when we come back. This is Street Soldiers, I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Hey, what up y'all, this is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 9-7, you dig? Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers, rap music on trial, lyrics, and the law. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. 
Joining me for this conversation, New York State Senator Jamal Bailey. He represents the 36th Senate District in the North Bronx and Mount Vernon. He's one of the authors of the Rap Music on Trial a Law here in New York State. Senator Bailey, thanks for being with us. A pleasure. We appreciate it. Also with us is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a managing partner of the Tucker Law Group. He's also a criminal defense attorney and a former prosecutor. Charles, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Also with us is Chuck Kriegmer. He's a CEO of allhiphop.com and a hip hop commentator. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We, we appreciate it. Uh, Charles, I want to start with you on this. In terms of in terms of the cases, we've seen some cases of aspiring rappers very young in New York City where they were basically using the videos to create beef with the ops, with the opposition, with another gang, and using that to, to stir up trouble. They go in front of the, the person's, the enemy's mother's house and make you know really bad comments, put that into a rap music. And then in, in one case in Brooklyn, they actually, according to the, the, pros, the uh, district attorney, they use the actual guns that were used in these actual shootings where somebody was killed. And, uh, but is that the norm or is that the exception or what are we talking about here? It runs the gambit, you know, Lisa, you know, there's been instances, imagine a defense attorney, you know, seeing that, you know, the evidence has been given to the prosecution, you know, through YouTube or some other, you know, social media device where the, the defendants, the alleged defendants are posting, you know, pictures of money and guns, you know, and alleged perpetrators, you know, let's just say, you know, arguably, I could recall at least two instances where I'm trying to, you know, provide a defense for my client based on their constitutional rights. And, you know, the alleged, you know, co-conspirators, they're all seen in YouTube videos, you know, on public social networks, you know, that kind of presents, you know, some serious challenges. And, you know, being that they freely put it up there, you know, do and it gives advantages to law enforcement to use these, this material. Senator Bailey, what about the, is there an implicit bias in singling out rap music? Because we're going through not just in the New York area, but nationally, a major crime wave. Violence is, is part of our popular entertainment and film and television shows, streaming programs all of that type of thing that have nothing to do with rap music. But do you, do you feel there's a certain implicit bias here? I, cer I certainly do. I, I, and I think that unfortunately it gets conflated, right? It, you know, hip hop music should not be equated to violence. Um, uh, there are country artists who have uh, purportedly committed a number of felonies in, in, some of their, in some of their artistic expression, yet country music is not vilified at the level that hip hop music is vilified. I certainly don't want to excuse violence. I, I certainly you know, am a proponent of public safety. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can love rap music and love safe streets. And we all do love that at the same time. But at the same time, we have to make sure that if you're looking to prove something, if you're looking to prove that an act was committed uh, and that the that the, the lyric should not just be some circumstantial evidence that you, that you can just bring in as your primary as, as your primary method of a prosecution. If you have if there are if there are offenses taking place, I'm going to be very clear. We don't want to stop the police or the prosecutors from keeping our streets safe. I want to be very clear about that. But again, you just cannot bring a lyric out of context for one that we don't that, that we don't know the, the, the instance in which it was uttered or who it was written by and say that this is a spe specifically related to an offense unless you can prove it with, uh, you know, based upon the standard that I, that I mentioned before, clear and convincing evidence. 
And Chuck, Chuck, how much of this is driven by what the public wants and by what fans want? Because people in the industry have told me in the music industry say, you know what, they do it. They do a video and they're waving around guns and they're talking about, you know, the ops and the, this and that. They're going to get millions of views. They do a video about, you know, the, the personal struggle they're going through unless they're one of the super superstars, you know, a, an emo type star. They're not really going to get that type of uh Type of, type of attention. How much of that has to do with with our with our culture right now? With the violence, whether it's video games, whether it's television, film, that's what people seem to want. Well, I think we have essentially a perfect storm here. You know, we have the corporations that are signing these artists and promoting this type of artist. You have the fans, largely white, young suburban kids that are consuming it, whether it's through YouTube and social media and actually, you know, streaming and buying. And then you have the artists as well who are uh, oftentimes doing whatever it takes to change their life conditions. And oftentimes they do that by any means necessary. So if you see gunplay and sex and violence and beef driving the algorithm, driving the attention you're able to get, you're gonna pretty much do whatever it takes. You you know, explicitly understand that if I do an album of love songs as a rapper, it's usually going to be a failure. And so it's sort of like a perfect storm where no one is completely guilty of any one thing. Um, I do feel like the artistry that a lot of other artists pr uh, promote and put out should be um, supported and they should be given fair and equal opportunity to be successful as well. Right, because hip hop has been a way out for a, lot of, for, for a lot of young men of color, especially just in terms of their, their creativity and being able to make a real, a real career out of it. What about uh, pro Charles putting on your prosecutor hat from back in the day? The, these cases, I mean, we don't have the we don't have the mafia like in the past before for prosecutors to make their names. A terrorism thing, international terrorism cases have, are are on the back burner. But you arrest a rapper, and immediately that's major headlines from the New York Times to all the blogs to everything on the internet to social to social media. What role is that playing? The fact that you you arrest a rapper, even if it's a not a good case, you're going to get a lot of attention. Oh, absolutely. I mean. And, you know, let's just be fair about it, Lisa. You know, from the law enforcement standpoint to the hands of the prosecutor, they don't have to go search for this stuff. You know, it, the defendant, the alleged defendants put this stuff for public viewing. So, you know, there could be no expectation of privacy there. You know, they, you know, signed waivers or did whatever is necessary, you know, from the legal standards and put it out there for public uh, use. So the question is, should it be then used against them? You know, it, it's like, you know, you're given the opportunity when you're arrested, you know, to, you know, be silent or, or any information you say can be used against you. So, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, that, you know, rappers and artists in general are putting material out for public consumption, not thinking that this stuff could be used against them in a court of law. But I think that's, and I think that's a cultural change generationally too, because Senator Bailey was some of the artists that were, you know, vocally supporting this bill, like Jay-Z, like a Fat Joe, 
they came up at a time when it was like you kept your mouth shut, you didn't talk, you didn't put your business out there on the streets, especially if you don't want people knowing about what it is. And yet a lot of the teens now and, you know, the, the teens and the these artists that are in their early 20s or whatever, they, they have grown up without any real sense of privacy. And it's just it all goes out there on online. So what is that doing to this whole to your concerns about these lyrics being used? So again, I, I think that we're sitting in interesting times in terms of the evolution of hip hop, in terms of what the culture has gone from the five elements on to breaking to 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 now YouTube streaming, right? So we're definitely in a different era of hip hop. Um, but again, I, I think artistic expression should be respected, and, and I think that you know we we come into a, a question of context in each and every case when a lyric comes into question. Um, would there be times when it's possible that that a lyric could have been could have had specific intent and offense to do harm? Certainly. Should those individuals be dealt with when they're in a court of law? They certainly should. But there are other times when there are lyrics that may sound as if they are um, purportedly doing something when they are simply people coming up with a freestyle. Like every anybody that's grown up in the, in the era of hip hop has tried to tried to freestyle from time to time. You don't know what you're going to say when you're freestyling, right? Um, again, maybe, maybe, maybe some of these artists, um, you know, are, are are more aware or should be more aware of, of what it is that they say and in 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 how they say it. Um, but if it's clearly art, if it is clearly an expression of creativity, if it is something that is clearly um, entertainment, um, I I and, and it has no nexus again to a specific offense, either intended or committed. I think that it's um I think that we should make sure that art remains art and we should protect black art all right we're going to uh, continue with this conversation when we come back stay with us yo what up this your homie ace hood and this is street soldiers with lisa evers real issues real poly tricks and real people only on hot 97 welcome back to this episode of street soldiers rap music on trial lyrics and the law i'm your host lisa evers joining me for this conversation new york state senator jamal bailey he represents the 36th Senate District, that's the North Bronx and Mount Vernon here in New York. And he is also one of the co-authors of the bill protecting artists' rights uh, called the Protect, it's called it's called the Rap on, on Trial Bill, right? Is that the official name of it? Okay. Yeah, yes, yes, it is. All right. Okay. That's easy to remember. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. Also with us is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a managing partner of the Tucker Law Group, criminal defense attorney and a former prosecutor. Charles, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Chuck Creekmer. He's the CEO of allhiphop.com and a hip hop commentator. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Chuck, when uh, we heard about the arrests of Young Thug and Gunna and the others, a lot of people were, were shocked that an artist of his stature that had had so many big hits that had such a huge career you know he just was really at the top of his uh top of his field doing all these concerts and all that that he could get caught up in something criminally and then with, with the talk of the, the the lyrics being involved that concerned a lot of people what was your reaction when you heard heard about that well i was stunned just like everyone else you know but i also thought about something it said once upon a time he said freedom of speech but you better watch what you say. And I think that that comes into play now as well, even though I don't think he explicitly meant that um, regarding lyrics being used in a trial situation. Um, it's an unfortunate reality and we do have to push back on it, but the things we say, the things we do, the things we promote are oftentimes either 
perception wise or reality wise going to be used against you no matter whether that's good or bad or evil whatever it's going to be used against you and i think we just have to keep that in mind um when however we decide to move so this isn't to say oh don't do your art or anything like that but it's more like let's be cognizant that racism is still alive and well the playing field is not the same and the standards are not the same for hip-hop that they are used against other forms of art so um in that respect i think we've seen a, a large part of our community uh jump up <clears throat> without even knowing the facts um uh, of the case or not being uh obviously the trial hasn't started but just knowing the character of the people involved and and being willing to put their reputation on the line. Most notably, Kevin Lyles, you know, I really commend him for having a fierce commitment to uh, Young Thug and Gunna and others uh, in a way that I don't think we've ever seen uh, a CEO, a boss, or, you know, a, a label head step up. Right, no, exactly. Charles, in terms of the, the, the case against Young Thug and Gunna is a conspiracy, it's a RICO, a state RICO conspiracy case. What are your concerns about these conspiracy cases? Well, the conspiracy cases are from a prosecution standpoint and defense standpoint, you know, those are tough cases to, to defend. Um, you're looking at an uphill battle, so to speak. And, you know, at best, sometimes um, from the prosecution's realm, they're missing pieces that they try to construe together and create, you know, this conspiracy when in reality, just based on the definition, it's not there. So it, it's a challenge in defense, just going into it, you know, head first, knowing what you're up against. And then the reality of being able, again, to kind of construe certain things to, you know, for a jury who's not going to really understand, uh, you know, conspiracy and RICO. It's, you know, the judges do their best and give their best explanation of things, but the average person just doesn't really have that, you know, wherewithal to really comprehend that. And then it becomes, you know, too complicated. Like, where where is the line? Like, what is the real? Is there is it is it a connection because they had a phone conversation? Is it a connection because that's the the person they grew up with who lived next door? Is that a connection? You know, is that that type of thing? Like, where do right. you draw that line? Right. Well, I mean, you know, it, it could be a friendship. You know, somebody they grew up with. You know, but is necessarily an enterprise? You know, an agreement to do criminal behavior, you know, that's the manufacturing part. They're trying to create, you know, something that there was, you know, as if it actually occurred. And then in most instances, you don't have that. They don't have this. You should note that this, this RICO um, law was created for the mob because they didn't have a direct line right. to the mob bosses. They were arresting all the underbosses or the you know the street level guys, but they could never get the guys at the top of the food chain. No, exactly, Senator Bailey. In, ter in terms of the in terms of how you intend the, your law to to be implemented, give give us a, a, a broader sense of is that is this the type of thing that you want the your the your law to to really protect against? Is like protect innocent people if there's real crimes being committed, but also protect innocent artists who may have been talking about what they what they saw or knew or grew up around without actually committing crimes. 
Precisely. So like, so the, so in, in law school, I remember, I think, I think it was contract law. There was a conversation about puffery, right? The phrase puffery is, is, is something that I'll never forget it because it's something that you are allowed to be able to, uh, I guess, expand the reaches of what normalcy would be when you're trying to advertise a product. But once you go well beyond the realms of what that is, if you're saying that maybe maybe you hint at maybe being able to jump higher because of a, a, a sort of sneaker, then maybe you can say that. But you can't say these sneakers are guaranteed to make you be able to dunk on someone, right? That's where you cross the line. To, to, use, to use a parallel, we want to be able to have artists express themselves freely. Uh, you don't want to stop creative expression. Art imitates life. Life imitates art. And we don't know what that bright line is. But at the same time, as you mentioned, we don't want um, violence. We don't want people to point to specific activity and not be held accountable. But in, in this case, you're going to have to draw the line between what did they say in the lyrics that you can specifically point to that, that would indicate that criminal activity was afoot or would be continuing or, or whatever definitions that they, they may be using in Georgia law. I'm not, I'm not familiar with uh, the specific uh, terms of art in Georgia law as it's a different jurisdiction than New York, but whatever they may be, um, you want to make sure that 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 line is something that is reasonable and, and it's something that that you can understand. If you have other forms of evidence to prove that activities are taking place, you should introduce those pieces of evidence first before you're introducing lyrics, which may be at best circumstantial to sort of maybe tie in the connection in, 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 uh, to, to what to what Charles was saying earlier. But is it also a thing of like, is, isn't it also a. So sometimes you feel they're used, Chuck, as a as a way to kind of smear the smear the defendant or like really create a bad impression. Like this person's talking about this and look at what they're talking about. They're not a good person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, make no mistake about it. They use these lyrics um, and they flow directly into uh, a, a preconceived idea of what a rapper is. I mean, if you see what Gunna's sort of, sort of this, you know, his demeanor after being arrested, I mean, you would think he was a church boy that sings on the choir every Sunday. And that's, and, and he might actually be that, right? Because he understands that in order to, for me to be successful, I have to be this way. And that way won't necessarily work or it's a much more difficult path. So, of course, the lyrics support what someone already thinks. We, we know that when those guys walk by, people lock their door or they clutch their purses and or cross the street. They do that already. So this only um, reinforces that. Charles, with the, with the Young Thug and Gunna case, there was the, the prosecutor say that YSL, which is Young Slime Life, which is the record label, which was all, which was allegedly the name of their gang, and that they used the proceeds from the record sales, which were, I think, he had at least like several platinum, multi-platinum songs, to fuel the activities of the gang to rent a car that was used in a drive-by that they weren't driving, but that somebody else used to kill, uh, to allegedly kill someone in Atlanta. Like, is that to some people that would sound like a big, like a real stretch? Right. And, and it does sound like a stretch, right? <clears throat> it, to Chuck's point earlier, you know, uh, the creation of such statutes, you know, for mafia activity, <clears throat> you're trying to, you know, to me, extend it over and carry it out for, you know, an intent and purpose that it wasn't in intended to create. 
and behavior that it wasn't intended to kind of curtail. You know, it, it's, a, it's a huge stretch, which puts a defense at a disadvantage, so to speak, again, because now you're giving this information and you're presenting this case where an average person's not going to be able to see the difference. You know, sounds believable to them, you know, right. and you know, sounds guilty to me. And in some instances, the person walks into to the courtroom already, you know, uh, with this stigma, this guilt uh, impression on on behalf of the jury. And, and it then becomes, uh, from a defense standpoint, you know, an uphill battle from day one, even before opening statements go in. Senator Bailey, you were concerned, were you concerned too in, in, in crafting the bill about any any feelings of suppression that artists may have had about their voices or what they're actually seeing? Because we've seen throughout history too, hip hop in a, in a lot of areas, especially in the beginning days, was really talking about things that people didn't want to know were going on in society. Well, I, I, I think that I think that that's that's absolutely accurate, and I, and I think that's you know the, the hip hop artist is the modern day griot. They 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 tell the story of of, of what's uh, what's happening in in the community. But but again, that's all about perspective, right? What perspective are they, are they are they rapping from? Are they rapping from a first person perspective? Are they rapping out of the project window, as Nas would have, would say? Like whose perspective is it? Whose context is it, right? And so that's one of the things about when we're talking about art and we're talking about hip hop. It is so difficult to define because the context of lyrics can matter if you say them one off or in the context of a song or even in the context of the song on an album. They all sound different to you, right? If you're paying attention to what the music is, is saying and what the feel of the album is. So it's very difficult for us to interpret, hey, this artist meant this on a specific day. The use of metaphor and simile and, and double entendre and hip hop is 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 can mean different things to different people on a different day. So it's very difficult for us to be able to specifically point at lyrics and say they absolutely, positively, definitely mean this without context, without other clues, and without specific things to point to. All right, we're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steel from Smith and Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on rap music on trial. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me for this conversation, New York State Senator Jamal Bailey. He represents the 36th Senate District. That is the North Bronx and Mount Vernon in the state of New York. He's also one of the co-authors of the rap music on trial bill. Senator Bailey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us, Charles Tucker Jr. He's a managing partner of the Tucker Law Group, a criminal defense attorney and a former prosecutor. Charles, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Also joining us is Chuck Kriegmer. He's a CEO of allhiphop.com and a hip hop commentator. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Um, Charles, are we looking at a time when we may see, you know, we, we see in court cases, we see mental health experts, medical experts. Uh, we, we see all different types of experts depending upon the nature of the, of the particular case. Will we be seeing hip hop experts to dissect and explain the lyrics and the context of the lyrics. Do you think? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I'm I'm about to call Chuck on my next case now. You, know, <laughs> you kidding me? Absolutely, because it's some. It goes to Senator Bailey's point, right? 
um, it, it, the point he made about context and being able to have an understanding of the lyric and, and make that connection. That's a real piece because the, again, I'm going back to the average person, you know, everybody on this call has some hip hop background, some right. kind of know, know how, but you know, if we'd like to believe there's a mixed jury and, you know, there's a mixed jury pool, you know, wink, wink. Um, and everybody's coming with an open mind. Well, let's just imagine some of those people have never really been exposed to hip hop and the artists and, and the, and the lyrics, you know, unbeknownst to them, their children will listen to, you know, 60 or 80% of it, you know, right. that's where their money is going, but then they they have no understanding and they have no ability to kind of make that connection. So without that, I would need an expert to kind of break it down uh, for terms and terminology that they can actually understand so that they can make an informed decision. Chuck, what about in, in the overall context of there has been a lot of crime, there have been a lot of artists involved in crimes uh, and alleged crimes convicted of and then some exonerated of to it's, it's how concerned are you about what's going on on that level? Well, I'm, I'm very concerned, uh, to be honest with you, Lisa. I see um, artists are getting shot. Lil TJ was shot today as we film this. And it's it's terribly tragic. I, I, I definitely think that's representative of what's going on in the streets, but I just feel like it's more, um, especially with our artists. Um, there was a time when DJ Scott LaRock getting killed was, you know, the only death in hip hop for years. Right. And, and now suddenly it feels like it's it's like every day. So I feel like it's it's as it was then. Um, it's representative of what's going on. However, we don't have the same response from the labels and from the artists. Remember when Scott LaRock was murdered, there was a song about stopping the violence. And then the West Coast followed suit. Even NWA was a part of that song. Uh, we're all in the same gang. And so that's my concern is that we're seeing these deaths and they do mirror what's going on in the music, but we're not seeing the community um, rise up. We're not seeing the artists rise up. We don't see the label supporting that. And uh, certainly with the algorithms and social media, it also um, kind of continues the cycle. And that's what's really scary. And kind of where, Senator Bailey, what are your thoughts on that? Because the, the, the gun violence obviously is tremendous concern in New York and around the rest of the rest of the country right now. And, and a lot of the, especially a lot of the, the younger artists and the newer artists, they're, it's, it's just the culture, you know, the culture in general too, that they're caught up in. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's important for us to not always conflate the hip hop and violence, uh, in a, you know, in a general sense. I just want to be, be, be fair about that. But also as, as, a, as a fan and as a, someone who's grown up in hip hop culture, I do not think hip hop should be utilized to appropriate violence. It should not be utilized to carry out vendettas against people. It should not be utilized to continue needless beef on the streets. You know, like one of the one of the greatest moments in, in my hip hop life, I don't know if I was eight or nine years old, was when I heard self-destruction. When I heard the song Self-Destruction, these were a number of artists, famous artists, very highly respected artists who took a stand against violence, right? And they said that we're headed for self-destruction. And, and then I'll, I'll spare you the lyrics. We all know the lyrics of the song, but it was something that spoke to me as a, as a young hip hop head 
that said, this is something that we should be speaking up about, right? Um, I, I think in addition to protecting black art, we need to also, we can walk and chew gum at the same time again, right? We can, we can say that your lyrics should be protected and that your, your expression should be protected, but we need to also uplift positivity and uplift the protection of our streets. And I don't think that those things are, are, are opposed. I think they are specifically aligned because the hip hop culture that I grew up in, that I grew up with, uh, I think they were not in assent to, to the notion of that and that we can all do that because as Chuck said, we are all in the same way. No, absolutely. Uh, Char Charles Tucker Jr., in terms of, in terms of the law, you, do, moving forward, do you see any changes? I mean, part of this, we're talking about stigmas, we're talking about implicit bias, we're talking about using, you know, really the criminalization of rap in, in some ways in terms of the way that it, it, it's being portrayed and reinforcing very negative, outdated and just incorrect stereotypes. What are your concerns about that in terms of in terms of your your potential clients? Well, I don't know if I'm as positive as Senator Bailey points out. I don't think, and I'll use gun violence, you know, and, and the inability of legislators to be on one accord. So no, I don't think we can, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. He may be the only one. Um, and, and therein lies the bigger problem, right? Right. You know, the issue is, you know, they're trying to, you know, shortcut an issue to address a bigger problem. And, you know, and to his point, and, and kudos to Senator Bailey and other legislators who are trying to put a stop to it. But then the underlying issues as a whole is what are we going to do to curtail the violence that's spilling uh, out in hip hop? You know, as Chuck points out, you know, these uh artists are getting murdered, you know, day after day. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like, you know, normal course of business when it shouldn't be, you know, what do we do? And so, you know, law enforcement and, and, and uh, prosecutors alike are trying to do something, you know, granted an overstretch from a defense standpoint, but, you know, can we agree on what should be done? And I think we need more uh, inventive ways by, you know, again, using Senator Bailey's uh, statute as a, as a guide. I don't know if that's the be all to end all, but, you know, as a defense attorney, I, I would like to see, um, or I guess I, I'd be using my prosecutor hat in, in that regard. I'd like to see prosecutors have more of a, of a, of a lens, but there, there should be a line because something has to be done. At least the question is, you know, to what benefit. And the, and the, the question is, as you were all saying, it's like, it, it would be amazing if, well, the, the gun violence issue the country can't even solve, can't can't seem to solve. But it would be great if there was at least a mindset shift in hip hop towards, you know, bringing the fun and the the fun and the music and the partying and and joy of life and, instead of instead of the self destruction like like that. Senator Bailey, final word. I think you want to say something. Sure. I, I just I just wanted to say, look, like we're we're not. This bill is not intended as as a as a as a magic. Snip, snap of a finger to say that this is all going to be done. We got to tackle real root cause issues, homelessness, economic, you know, econ lack of economic development and economic sustenance, education system. And again, the federal government, I, 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 in New York state, we have done our job with some of the strictest gun laws in the country. The federal government has been out of touch and out of order and not doing their job and stopping this iron pipeline of guns up I-95 from the right. state in the South to New York and New Jersey and the accompanying states. The federal government has to step up. Far be it from me as a legislator to call on someone else to do something else. But the, the, if they, they, they didn't do it in Sandy Hook, 
They didn't do it after, after Columbine. They haven't done it after Buffalo. They haven't done it after Uvalde. When is the federal government going to step up and do something about the influx of guns in our community? That's something that will, will help us tie the bowl. It's not the only issue, but it's going to help us do a lot. All right. And on that note, I want to thank you all for being with us for this episode of Speed Soldiers. New York State Senator Jamal Bailey, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Charles Tucker Jr., criminal defense attorney, thanks for being with us. And allhiphop.com, Chuck Creekmore, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Sweet Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.